The Doctor's Coat by John Bromley Twin sons of Sontai were perched precariously high in the sky, sending any poor creature without shade scurrying to find shelter. It wasn't even midday yet, but the news service was reporting record temperatures. The few Sontailers, unlucky or unwise enough to stay out of the suns, kept their shells open and their heads covered and down. It seemed like the entire planet was doing its best to just get through the day. In richer city, however, beneath a large umbrella nursing a glass of overly sweet iced tea, the doctor sat watching the horizon. Large streaks of green and yellow and red danced across the sky. The doctor smiled. He'd been there all morning watching, and even he wasn't immune from the midday heat. He'd taken his coat off and draped it over the back of his chair. The sky flashed again, another streak of green, and the doctor laughed. A waiter walked by, carrying a tub of breakfast dishes left by previous customers. The green lights are caused by oxygen emissions. You'll see them change to yellow once the platon takes hold of them, though. See? There! Absolutely beautiful. They have something very similar on Earth, but only usually visible near the Northern Pole, so you can't see them everywhere, and usually not during the day, either. Well, not anymore, that is. Not since Cassendi and I fixed it up. The waiter looked up at the sky and squinted, and then looked back down at the strange visitor. If you say so, would you like another iced tea, sir? The doctor sighed. Thank you, no. I'm still working on this one. The waiter shrugged and walked back to the kitchen. Perry would love this. The doctor sipped his drink, lost in thought for a moment. He glanced over at his TARDIS. I should really check on her. The doctor smiled, but then paused and let it fall from his face. Now that just wouldn't do. Perry was busy with her own life now and had no time to dash around the universe. The doctor finished his drink, which by now was mostly just melted ice, and set the glass on the table. He reached back to his coat to pull out a small block of salt to leave as a tip, when his hand touched the back of his obsidian chair. He furrowed his brow and looked back. His coat was gone. He stood and spun around, nearly knocking the chair over. Gone! Excuse me! He looked to the waiter, who was leaning up against the cafe's main wall, drinking his own drink and wiping the sweat from his brow. Yes, sir? The waiter yawned. My coat! I left it on the back of my chair. Did you see where it went? Coat? Yes, I had it right here. Coat? The doctor looked at the Sontyler. You know what a coat is, yes? I don't mean to sound condescending. I just happen to travel around quite a bit, and I suppose I take things for granted, like the concept of coats. Sorry, sir. I'm afraid I don't know what you're talking about. If you're missing something, I could call an open guard. If you'd like, that is. Oh, thank you. No, I'm sure it's around here somewhere. The Sontyler shrugged and went back to his own drink. Involving the local authorities is rarely the best option, the doctor thought. He knew the quality of the Sontyler guards, 
and knew they didn't take too kindly to off-worlders. Plus, it was only a coat. He had two others just like it in the TARDIS wardrobe. It's not like there was anything important. The Doctor's hand shot down to the pockets of his trousers. Oh, no. Empty. The Doctor sat back down and sighed. He had left the key to the TARDIS in his coat pocket. The coat pocket? Which was attached to the coat that was missing. This was not shaping up to be the best of days. The Doctor scanned around again. The floor of the cafe was smooth and polished and clean, aside from a few large stones. The Doctor briefly wondered how an outdoor cafe in such a sandy climate could have floors so immaculate. But he fought his concentration back to more important matters. No foot or tentacle or tyre or anything really prints left on the ground. Surely his coat hadn't walked off on its own. He had been sitting at the table for a good part of the morning and had taken his coat off once the second sun had breached over the horizon. Well, that would have been, what, three, four hours ago? The doctor turned back to the waiter. I'm afraid I don't have any salt to leave for a tip, but once I find my coat, I'll be sure to come back and take care of that. Sontyler looked up again. He was still propped against the cafe wall, looking rather intrigued at the strange off-worlder. Well, sir, if you don't mind, you could leave that yawning shell there. The waiter pointed a pinkish finger at one of the smaller stones near the doctor's feet. The doctor looked down, focusing again at the stones near his feet. Most were smooth and not much bigger than a football, but one was a bit bigger and more lopsided than the rest. The doctor nudged it with his foot. It was much lighter than he'd expected, and it rolled easily under his foot. Is this one of your shells? he asked. The Sontyler snorted in what sounded to the doctor like contempt. Do I look like a youngling to you? I know I don't have the most luxurious job in the world, but I'll have you know that I'm 17 years old. I'm just saving up some salt for school. Well, I I'm sorry. I, I meant no offence. What I meant to ask was, is this a Sontyler shell? Uh, younglings, I believe you said? The doctor hunched down and picked it up. It was surprisingly light. Lighter even than he would have imagined. Looks like it. I have one like that when I was younger. The Sontyler waiter laughed. <laughs> it could very well be the same one. <laughs> the doctor looked up. You mean you shed your shell? A flash of inspiration hit the doctor as he stood. And you leave your shell lying around for smaller Sontylers on the grow? Like hermit crabs? The Sontyler tilted his head and furrowed his brow. The doctor laughed. <laughs> A harsh environment. Sontylers walking around, going through their daily lives, needing protection and always growing. And when you get too big for your britches, you shed them. <laughs> By which I mean your shells, not your actual britches. Although you probably would shed those as well if they got too small. <laughs> and find a bigger shell. <laughs> Tell me, where's the nearest place a youngling might go if they had salt to spend? The doctor entered the comic shop. 
ducking his head to get through the small door. The walls were lined with hundreds of brightly coloured comics, and small statues and toys seemed to fill any free counter space. Large posters covered the walls, advertising the splendid Sandhopper, King Ridoshell versus Doctor at Death, and a thousand other four-colour titles. The Doctor smiled. To his left, a Sontyler youngling was reaching up onto the large clear counter to pay for a huge stack of comics with a block of salt. Unlike other Sontylers, his shell was loose and soft, its tails bunched up on the floor. The youngling was wearing the doctor's coat. <clears throat> Excuse me, the doctor waved to get the youngling's attention. The youngling looked up from his fresh stack of comics, his eyes wide in fear. What you want? I'm afraid you have something that belongs to me. You said you'll stand at the cafe. Whatever you'd left in it was fair game. If you don't want to lose your shot, you should have taken it out before you shed. Oh, oh, you're absolutely right. Terribly silly of me, but no, no. The salt is yours. Fair and square. I'm referring to my, um, <clears throat> my... Shell. The youngling hugged his comics to his chest. You shed it, that means it's mine now. I claimed it fair and square. Ah. I I'm afraid, you see, I didn't understand the significance of um, <clears throat> shedding my shell. Well, I'm quite obviously not a Son Tyler. But this shell's still mine. The doctor sighed. <laughs> Isn't it a bit big for you? Well, that's the whole point. The doctor laughed despite himself. <laughs> I suppose it is. But my old shell isn't the best for these hot summer days, is it? The youngling's eyes narrowed. And it's not too sturdy, is it? It's got a lot of storage holes, though. Oh, that's true. But have you got it wet yet? Mm-hmm. It's a nice shell, but it really isn't the best for keeping rain out. And let's be honest, it's not everyone that can look good in that shell. The boy looked down at the carpeted floor of the comic shop. You said it, he whispered. It's not fair for you to take it back. I tell you what, I'll get you a brand new top-of-the-line shell. One that's big, has plenty of storage holes, keeps out any freak rainstorms you might run into, and you can keep all the salt that was in my pockets. The youngling eyed him suspiciously. Are you sure? You had a lot of salt. It's no problem. You wait here, keep the shell on, and I'll be back in a jiffy. All I need is that small key in the front of my shell. The doctor prodded and poked the controls of the TARDIS. The time rotor spun to life, sending a warm glow through the console room. The doctor sank back in his chair, lost in thought. The coat fitted as well as it ever did, though there was some excess sand. And the TARDIS seemed just as it always had. But he still felt a bit empty. He had tracked the coat down and bartered with a youngling to get it back. Was it just because the TARDIS key was in his pocket? He thought back to all the faces that had come and gone through the TARDIS, 
and thought about which ones he had fought to keep. His coat was, after all, just a piece of clothing. The people with him were more than that. So many lives he had touched. Put his hand in his pocket and fiddled with the TARDIS key. He knew that when this life ended and his next one began, he would probably put the coat away, tuck it into the wardrobe with so much other clothing. It didn't matter what he wore, as it didn't make him who he was. Time wrote rose and fell in perfected harmony as he travelled on. He reached deeper into his pocket and pulled out the latest issue of the splendid Sandhopper and began to read. <laughs>